real estate on the blockchain, the tokenization of physical assets, and security token regulation. They might not sound like super sexy topics, but Yale Tamar of SolidBlock makes them super interesting. As CMO and partner of this real estate-focused alternative investment bank, Yale is a blockchain strategist, speaker, advisor, and mentor with much knowledge to share. So are you ready to do this? Now let's go, friends. It's the all hail, it's Yale, episode number 286 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? And welcome, friends and frenemies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I think people, for the most part, like us. I don't know that we're making any enemies out there. Well, maybe like Wells Fargo or something. Yeah, Wells Fargo. You guys can eat a bag That's of crypto right. as far Full as we're bag. concerned. Giant bag. So it is the Bad Crypto Podcast show for the crypto curious and crypto serious. Joel Com and Travis Wright here as your Sherpas. You sound so calm. Well, I, I still have a cold, and so my dulcet tones are a little scratchy and even more dulcet, I suppose. That's good. Well, you know, I hope you get feeling better, Mr. Joel Calm. I appreciate that. The Thank calm you. before the storm. <laughs> I am the Joel Calm before the storm, and Mr. Travis Wright, since my voice is a little bit on the fritzola, how about you tell the listeners about our sponsor today? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the sponsor for today's show is Divi. Have you ever wanted to have your own masternode and earn crypto by staking crypto? Well, with Divi, you can do that. It's pretty cool. We've been playing around with their masternodes for quite a while. Mr. Joe Com's a big fan, as am I. And uh, it's DiviProject.org is the website if you've not been. And basically, you can stake your Divi tokens. And while you stake them, each day you earn additional tokens. It's kind of like mining, except it's staking. And so you can stake all you like. You can stake, what, up to, what, 10 million tokens or something? I think that might be the largest one you can do. But um, check it out. Go over to DiviProject.org. They got the Machi, the, the on, it's the on-cloud installer for the Masternode. And uh, it's really handy. And you actually don't even have to have the program open the whole time. You can open it up, do what you need to do. All the masternoding and the staking is taking place in the cloud. It's the future. It's Divi. It's DiviProject.org. Divi, Divi, Bobivi, Banana, Fana, Fofivi. Remember Me, the my, Momivi. Let's get to the feature. Here's Neil Tamar. Let's go. In the past, we've talked about putting real estate on blockchain, and we've actually seen, you know, in the news, some properties people are selling for Bitcoin or fractionally selling their places. And this is an area that uh, we need to go down this rabbit hole a little bit more. And to help us do that, we are pleased to welcome Yale Tamar, the CMO and partner at SolidBlock.co to the show. Yale, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Travis, for having me. You're welcome. Don't thank him. Well, he invited you, actually, so thank him. <laughs> You're welcome. 
<laughs> you you actually have a uh, a pretty long track record as an entrepreneur and uh, in the blockchain space. So we like to kind of start out and find out a little bit about your history and how you ended up going down this crypto rabbit hole that we all love so much. Yeah, well, I tried not to really hard. Um, my journey actually started from the blockchain. Surprisingly, I was uh, in, at the Silicon Valley at the time working on a startup in fintech in the loan space. And someone said, well, you should be doing this with blockchain. And I said, what's blockchain? Just surprising because it seems like, you know, at, by that time, like 2016, most people have heard about it. So I learned everything I could about it. And I realized that that's what I want to do. I don't want to do anything else because I thought really this is the future. So long story short, I closed the startup, started consulting companies and got to really interesting projects like blockchain for enterprise, for land registries, for supply chain, just really interesting stuff. And tried kind of to avoid the ICO rabbit hole, as you say, and the crypto until I started listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm not kidding about it. I was, I really loved you guys for like kind of, I don't know, bringing, lowering the hype and bringing up all the really cool ideas and the vision behind, you know, the, the crypto side of blockchain. You said loved. Is that past tense? You don't love us anymore? Okay. I, sh I, <laughs> I love I you guys. I was going to ask the exact same thing. I was like, she loved it's us. Over. But yeah, it's over. The honeymoon's it. over. She used to love yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Um, and when I learned everything there was to learn, I'm just kidding. When I, I mean, up to a certain point, I was listening to all the crypto podcasts and now I'm more into the real estate podcasts. So every time I ride my bike, I probably do two to three hours of podcasts. So let's say once or twice a week, I listen to back crypto and three, four times a week, I go on to all kinds of real estate stuff. So that's the situation. But I keep all the podcasts and hopefully one weekend I'm going to catch up. <laughs> so back to my story. So I, long story short, I, I started really looking into blockchain use cases to see which ones are going to go first in order to kind of let the industry develop. So real estate was always the first in my mind. And I used to do real estate back in the day when I was working for a fund and doing funds of funds and uh, trading and all that good stuff uh, for uh, Wall Street and so on. I always had this idea that this market is not open enough. It's not uh, dem democratized. It's very complex. It's very slow. Yet everybody's dream seems to be, you know, I want to I wanna kind of move on to the next level of investor, being an investor. And the, the first level, the ground floor, is investing in real estate. So that's the dream. So I wanted to kind of democratize this space and blockchain seems to be perfect for it. So long story short, I started telling people about what I want to do. And they connected me with my current partner, Yuval, who founded SolidBlock and did an amazing project, um, did a smart contract for the St. Regis uh, Hotel STO. St. Regis is a Marriott um, brand in Aspen, Colorado. And they raised $18 million, and that was like the first commercial real estate project that had an STO, security token offering, and enabled fractional investment in real estate. So it's an interesting space, right? So now you can, you can own a piece of something, not the whole thing, but just like a little fraction of that. 
And that's happening in a lot of different spaces aside from just real estate. Um, How are you finding that in real estate? How is it working? And, you know, what, what are some of the trends that you're seeing with blockchain and real estate now? So there are many problems that blockchain actually solves in real estate, not only ability to invest. So let me just kind of maybe address those uh, first. Um, So real estate space in general is like a slow moving animal, like an elephant. You know, it's it's big and it's massive and it walks, you know, uh, slowly. So (laughs) what blockchain does for this space is like turns this elephant into a cheetah, right? The fastest animal on the planet. So um, basically there, there are things like complex transactions, there are intermediaries, there are brokers, all kinds of uh, all kinds of things that slow down a transaction, especially if you're doing it internationally. If you want to buy an apartment right now in Amsterdam, I God help you. <laughs> so it's going to be tough. And blockchain potentially allows you to create a registry, like a land registry, uh, provide you know notary service and and verification of ownership, payment uh, obviously payment transfers and smart contract that allows you to buy a piece of real estate either a fraction or all of it, and um, you know have without potentially an escrow just basically simplifies this whole process. So many governments have recognized that this is a great way for them to streamline these transactions, enable investment in the country. So many small countries, like smaller countries like Georgia and Estonia, for example, have started implementing land registries for that purpose. And some others like the UK are also looking into it um, because, you know, they realize that this is actually what blockchain was born for. Now, our use case, the tokenization of real estate, is uh, potentially going to open up this market up to a lot of people who really just want to invest in real estate without all the headache. You know, millennials that don't want to go out and get a mortgage, but want to own a piece of a, a really cool, I don't know, townhouse in Japan or a Chrysler building or, you know, an Eiffel Tower, whatever is out for sale. They want to own a piece of it. And that's something I want to own my own Eiffel Tower. I I bought a little tiny, you know, two inch high one (laughs) when I was in Paris. Does that count? Um, You can probably uh, you can probably buy a piece of uh, uh, a real one if they really need to raise money in Paris. So, but let's hope we don't, we're not going to get to that. How does that, how does that work? You know, we, I, I know we talk about this, but I'm trying to conceptualize when we talk about fractional ownership. Is it like, do you, do you remember when we were kids, there was this, uh, this thing going around? Of course, I was probably a kid long before you were, but you would be able to buy a, uh, an acre of land on the mm-hmm. moon. Right. And then yeah. they would send you this certificate, you know, that this is this is your, your part of your crater right here. Like, is it actually um, you at you physically own a piece of whatever the real estate is or it's just in theory you own one twenty fourth or whatever your token covers of that thing? So this is actually a very interesting question. Um, and uh, the answer is you actually don't own um, you usually own a part of a vehicle that you create for the purpose of tokenization. You create a company that owns the asset and you securitize that company. You create, you, you literally issue either a debt or an equity security. So it's a financial, financial product that you're selling. Uh, and when somebody owns that financial product, they buy the financial product for a certain amount of money. 
they actually own the rights to the product of that asset, whether that be yield, like interest, or it could be a development project and which will be sold at some point. So you're entitled to a profit from that sale. So you don't usually have voting rights. You don't usually have rights to the actual asset. You can't move in. You know, in Aspen, in the Aspen project, there were actually jokes going around that, yeah, you can buy this security, but that security does not let you go to the bar and get free beer. You know, you should get profit from that security and use that to go to the bar and buy your beer. I have a question then. So Joel and I were both at Paris Blockchain Week when the Notre Dame Cathedral burned, right? Yeah. Now, how, so, and they've raised, I don't even know, more than a billion dollars, something ridiculous to, to raise this. How could a real estate tokenization model maybe have been applied to that renovation project? Oh, I was thinking about that actually during that time. Oh man, that was so sad to see this on TV. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll, so, that I, I'm not sure if if that could be applied there because it really is emotional. So people just donate. However, let's think about uh, a district or a neighborhood in in the U.S. Maybe even an opportunity zone. Opportunity zone is basically an area where uh, which the government wants to develop, uh, and so they're allowing you to invest in assets in that area and reinvest without paying paying taxes, basically capital gains. But anyway, let's assume there is an area in, and it doesn't have a school or, you know, you want to build a new school, you want to build a new park or you want to build a new skating rink, a facility maybe that will actually generate income. So technically you could get the citizens or the residents to put the money together using this tokenization approach and actually get that built and then receive the profit from that asset. So potentially, I think that's what we're going to be seeing within the next, hopefully, three to five years, that the, the residents themselves will do this. And that will also increase the care in which they put into living there. Maybe it will create a, a more stable environment, you know, have less people moving in and out if they, if they are invested in their own neighborhood. So I think the cities are going to apply this. We're actually working with some municipalities here in Israel, where we're based, to apply this model to creating like sports facilities. Because up until now, the model was that, you know, a lottery, you sell lottery tickets and you use part of the lottery profit to build these up. So, and, and I'm saying this is not a sustainable model. You're making so many people unhappy and living and depending on these lottery sales. Instead, mm -hmm. just let them invest directly into these facilities. Mm -hmm. That's way better than what we have in America right now where, you know, they go, oh, we need a new stadium, so we're going to do a, a 1.5 cent tax on something, and then that huh. tax is going to go for 20 years, and we got to pay this taxes on stuff, right? So, so unfair. Yeah. yeah. But if I could say, hey, I want to own part of the stadium, that would be pretty cool. Right. You want to own your own seat. Like, that's Travis wants his own <laughs> I, I want seat multiple seats. I need tickets. two seats at least. Two seats. Two seats, yeah. Well, uh, on the, you know, 50-yard line. <laughs> well, you know, this actually is a, is a hybrid model, is what everybody thought was going to happen, actually, with like a hybrid of a security and utility token. So you're talking more about like a utility model. You're investing into something and you're getting a product. So actually, stadium seats and stadium tickets were like the perfect example of an ICO, like a utility token, right? So potentially, right now, we're actually trying to kind of move away 
from the world of crypto be because of what's happening. But I think we're going to come back to it in the next like two to three years and start using these security tokens as collaterals to uh, create our own stable coins for different projects and to create like a new um, new ecosystems that utility token was actually built for. The fact that it was used for something else um, is not, um, you know, is, is, is not the reason. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that it's a bad product. I think it's a good product at the end of the day. So when we look at the realm of possibility of things that can be tokenized, you know, we talked about real estate, but kind of hit us up with some other things that people might want to tokenize as an asset. Yeah. Well, the the best asset to tokenize is actually clean tech or green energy infrastructure right now. And the main reason why is because uh, bank financing is tricky for these projects. So when, let's say you want to build a farm, um, a solar farm in your backyard or maybe in, in Uganda, um, you, you go to the bank and the bank says, go and get a client. And then you go to the client and the client knows that you are really dependent on it, on, on this deal. So they're giving you a bad deal. So in this case, tokenization really makes a lot of sense. And so this is one. Uh, another is um, anything that has a tangible asset, basically. So if you have, let's say, a pharmaceutical company with a patent or with manufacturing facilities, or uh, basically, I think it's either late stage startups where valuation is super clear, or you can base your asset valuation on something tangible. You can use models that are, have been developed by uh, various, you know, valuating companies and auditors. Uh, and why, why is valuation so important? So the whole reason for the security tokens existence is uh, ability to trade them in the future. So you, so you use them to, let's say, raise funds or enable people to buy something. And then uh, one of the major advantages is you being able to trade this on the secondary market. So the valuation of the initial asset, be it the real estate or green energy infrastructure or a, a late stage startup company is crucial because if it's overvalued, then you're not going to have any incentives for you know, the increase for the secondary market trade. Does that make sense? Indeed, it does. So you're based. So you're based in Israel, and there was a court case in Israel recently about about saying that blockchain is an asset. So does that mean the whole the whole blockchain platform protocol is is actually an asset, or are you talking just the crypto assets that are that pop up out of the blockchain? Right. So so the court case uh, was actually um, about Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin is an asset. Um, and it's funny because everybody already knew that Bitcoin was was an asset rather than the currency. Why is it even important? So the most important uh, the most important part of this definition is the taxation implications. And uh, the guy who sued the authorities, Non Coppel, he is the CEO of a, a successful um, blockchain venture that had an ICO last year. Oh, no, sorry, maybe two years ago. It's called DAV, and they're doing um, uh, they're doing a platform for self-driving vehicles. And uh, he was actually one of the people who. Um, he he actually uh, founded a company uh, back in the day with Eyal Erzog, who's a CEO, uh, sorry, founder of Bancor. But that's basically the backstory. So why is this important? So this guy traded Bitcoin 
the inception pretty much from the inception and uh, made a lot of money. He made, well, relatively a lot of money. I would say, uh, I think uh, two or $3 million. Yeah. So uh, obviously the tax authorities really want their, you know, their part of the cut, which is uh, capital gains only. So it's uh, 20 or 25%. So they wanted uh, two and two and uh, they wanted two and a half million or so, maybe, uh, sorry, uh, in shekels. So they wanted less than a million dollars. So the guy goes in court for whatever reason, he thinks that they will kind of overturn because it's been said many, many times that Bitcoin is an asset, is a taxable asset. You know, it's not a currency. So he goes to court to challenge that position and to pay, not to pay taxes or pay less taxes. And he lost for many different reasons. One of the reasons is that, you know, the argument is uh, in many, many countries in the world is that Bitcoin is an asset in the, at the end of the day, people buy it to, to get rich at the, at, right at this moment. But I actually made a video about this uh, um, when that happened, maybe a month ago. Um, the defense team or no, his defense team or his team, um, <laughs> uh, they didn't seem to know what Bitcoin was. And they didn't seem to know the most important uh, facts about Bitcoin. They gave, a they gave the prosecution or I'm not sure who was suing who actually, but they gave the other side all kinds of ammunition against themselves. So for example, they gave them a list from 99 Bitcoins, I think, or they gave them a list from somewhere, a list of businesses that accept Bitcoin, but that list was really outdated. So the other team went through the list one by one. They called them up, they asked them, do you accept Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies? And they said, no. So two thirds of that list actually no longer accepted crypto. So, <laughs> so that was just one, one example. And then they cited Wikipedia, uh, for definition of Bitcoin, they talked about the the creators of Bitcoin and their intention. Um, nobody, you know, technically knows who the creators are and what their intentions were, but that was basically the case. But in any case, it was interesting to see um, how uh, the authorities are dealing with crypto. I want to come back here to Colorado because that's where I am, and that's where the uh, the Aspen mm -hmm. St. Regis resort was at how many people participated in the um that that campaign and i know it was fully tokenized right uh, well it was uh, it was partially tokenized actually i think in general full tokenization makes a lot more sense um i'll get back to that later but uh, in in that project specifically uh it was done through a regulation that's called uh, reg d and this regulation, you know, exemption 506, and, and this regulation basically allows you only to market this product to accredited investors. So it's not, it doesn't really go along with the vision that I described earlier, right? When we kind of have an average Joe investing in, in, a, in the Chrysler building. But at the moment, this is the only regulation that allows um, allows to issue security tokens, um, blockchain-based security tokens in the U.S. So in that specific case, there were 20, I believe, 22 buyers of this token. And you can actually go on um, uh, on Ethereum and look uh, at the holders of the token. Um, it's out there in public, and you can see how many people bought into it. 
uh, or how many entities. So in this case, it was a lot of funds and uh, credited investors. Indiegogo also participated in this deal and they offered it to, um, to, their, invest to their investors within their corporate investment fund. And uh, there were some accredited investors uh, from all over the world. So on the one hand, of course, it enabled global exposure of the product, which is fantastic. And it's one of the major advantages. On the other hand, it enabled liquidity. So after a lockup period of a year, which again is a stipulation of Regulation D, they will be able to potentially trade these assets. Now, going back to my comment about tokenizing the whole project, and basically I want to address a little bit the market cap. So uh, if we want to have a secondary market where institutions and family offices and semi-institutions, corporations come in and start trading, um, because as we know, um, most of the financial market at the moment is driven by by these big players. They all, They always look for big market caps. So that's also a problem with the crypto market because you only have like a few coins out there that have a big enough market cap for anybody to even be interested in entering and trading them. So you're going to want to see either really large real estate projects or you're going to want to see funds uh, with market cap of 100, 200 million or half a billion dollars. So then they're going to want to come in and start trading. So um, a diff there's different ways to facilitate that. Let's say one way is to create, a f uh, even after you issue the token, you can combine them into an index and that index can be traded. And actually there you can see different price fluctuation as opposed to, let's say, a real estate uh, asset-backed token by itself. You're not going to see a lot of value fluctuation. You're going to see more stable growth. So by the way, this product is probably more appropriate as a way to diversify your holdings. Let's say you have crypto holdings and then you want to have a stable base asset. So that's something um, that, that the real estate-backed token will provide. So um, bottom line, uh, 22. <laughs> like that, the answer that was a to everything. Really long answer. Uh, yeah. I, was like, I forgot what the question was. I thought it was, was the meaning of life, but that's 42. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, 22. That's how old I act sometimes. Well, they, they say Bitcoin was going to be worth 20,000 by now, and it's less than 10. So we had to cut it down from 42 to 22. Mm. So, top of, top of blockchain. Uh, I always like to sometimes I like to say top of the morning to you. So top of the blockchain to you. That's a, a an advisory firm that you're doing. What what are some maybe some cool projects that you've seen come through that you are advising or that you've seen come through uh, there in Israel? So let me see. Okay, I think the coolest project that we we've done and we are con continuing to advise is called Terramal, and it's a um, it's a land registry and goes beyond land registry, um, project in Somaliland. Somaliland is a small country next to Somalia that has actually split up from Somalia 20 years ago. They're self-operating, you know, in kind of a democratic manner, but nobody recognized them up until this day. And uh, I actually tweeted President Trump a while ago. What and did I he said, say? It's time to recognize Somalia, Mr. Trump. So he did. 
Well, he didn't answer, but lo and behold, <laughs> I got like a hundred replies from Somalis. They're angry, oh, wow. <laughs> angry replies, <laughs> like stay out of our business and stuff. So, yeah. But then there were some Somali landers that were like defending me. So it was like very interesting uh, dynamic there. So, but yeah, the President Trump didn't pay attention to me yet. Um, but he will one day. So basically what we're doing there is creating a consortium to build a, a real estate land registry, which is crucial there because this country, this little country of four million people does not even have paper money. They, all, they, they have fully digital, <laughs> digital money society. Uh, they have, you know, small businesses and enterprises. Uh, their central bank is actually like a telecom company. So it's a greenfield society. They don't have, you know, infrastructure, financial infrastructure there. The bank, you know, banking is a disaster. So we want to come in and start by establishing who owns pieces of land. Because if you don't know who owns pieces of land, then, you know, conflicts break out, uh, commerce, you know, doesn't move. So imagine if you couldn't prove that your house is yours. So also another problem is that a lot of kids are getting born and they don't even have identity in many places in Africa. You can't even prove, you know, you don't have birth certificates. You can't prove who's who. So then, you know, that also has a, a crazy impact on on not, you know, not, not even talk about well-being, but just ability to make money and to open a business. So we're establishing a cooperation with uh, with the government there. Uh, to do land red, blockchain based rent, land registry, um, also uh, like kind of a decentralized or blockchain based ID for people, and then um, also you know local currency, P2P loans, banking, just all the different aspects of a society to make it kind of like our testing ground for <laughs> for a really smart blockchain based um, nation. I would say so that's that's our goal on the country level and i think it's really exciting i i would say this i mean it's a, it sounds like a great project terramal sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a bad thing it's, it's terramal <laughs> like a disease mal means bad in spanish anyways and now it's terramal so it doesn't it sounds terrible <laughs> it's like uber uber mal yeah no i think terra basically uh, uh terra means land and mal means honey ah so uh, the land of honey yeah Land of honey, yeah. Maybe in Africa it doesn't sound so bad. True. They don't speak Spanish there. <laughs> That's good. But but good good point. Good point. I love that idea. I love you know help, helping out. I mean that's one of the issues. I, some people talk about it and they go, oh you know we don't need IDs for voting. That's racist. I'm like really we need <laughs> we need IDs for everything else. Like and voting is the most important thing in our society really when it comes to picking your government leaders. And so don't you want that to be, you know, foolproof and transparent and not, you know, mess with the bull? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you got to fix, you got to fix some of those things. Even in, even in the big developed countries, they're still, they don't have it all figured out. No, of course not. I think that there's so much potential for blockchain technology. I think that there's a little, you know, a little cool off um, towards blockchain because of the association with the crypto market. Um, but I think we're going to come back to it and uh, and see and really implement blockchain in most facets of our society. I think that most peop peop most uh, governments already realize the potential of blockchain anyway. So I mentioned the valuation aspect. And so um, 
there are other complementary technologies in in the world of real estate and beyond um, that will help uh, this to propel this market forward. So in in prop tech, we have um, all kinds of uh, sensors and and cameras and satellite imaging that help establish how assets are used. Like the most important thing, as I mentioned in the STOs, is establish the valuation of the base asset. And beyond that, I would say one of the um, important things is to make sure that the underlying value of the asset is growing. So if you have an asset like real estate, which um, really depends on how you manage it, then you really need to ensure that the asset management is is really uh, is really on point. So that's that's one of the things that we're doing. We're we're enabling IoT and machine learning and AI uh, to help evaluate um, evaluate and uh, increase the value of the asset over time. Most excellent. Love uh, the content and and love seeing women in the blockchain space that are super smart, smarter than many of the guys that I know, if not all of them, because let's face it, men are stupid. Uh, Yale Tamar, people can learn more about you at solidblock.co, topofblockchain.com. And of course, all the links to Yale's social platforms are in the show notes for this episode. Thanks, Yale. We appreciate you. That Yale is one smart cookie. She's pretty nice. Very nice, very smart, friendly, awesome person, innovative, all the good things. Mm-hmm. We love having smart people on the show because, you know, from the beginning, this is how we have learned is from talking to people who know way more than we do about blockchain and crypto. And here we are, Mr. Travis Wright, two years in, and now we actually know a thing, maybe two or a thing and a half. Yeah, so this is going live on a Wednesday. This is Wednesday. It's the live show. Uh-huh. This is the day before our ah, official so, birth of birth. So two years ago today, while you're listening to this, if you're listening to it when it came out, we were hurriedly creating content for the new show. Yeah, we were recording. <clears throat> I just did. I had a Peter you know, Brady moment great. there for a moment. Like, oh, it's time to change. Uh, la 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 la. Um, yeah, we were creating graphics, putting up the website, and getting ready to launch onto the world the first episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And uh, here we are, two years later, Mr. Travis Wright. It's been a wonderful journey. It has, and we've only just begun. We have. In fact, we've got two big announcements um, for new sponsors that we are all in on because we really, really like these projects. You're going to be hearing more about that in the future. Future is spelled F-Y-O-O-T-U-R. Future. future. And Joel yeah. is a futurist. I am a futurist. But uh, for the rest of today, I'm going to be a relax on the sofa-ist, and I'm going to drink a lot of liquids down some vitamin C, and maybe by the time you guys hear this, I'll be feeling better. Tomorrow, I'm going to be a flyist to Europe. Yeah, when people are listening to this, you will be in Paris. I shall. Actually, uh-huh. I am going to go ahead and do all that Normandy stuff. I want to go check all that out. I didn't get to do that last time, and so I'm going to go spend a few days over there doing that. I've been, I've been watching a lot be- of different World War II things, you know, since the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I got to go see some things. You're going to be taking a piece of gear with you that uh, we're pretty excited about. Seth Shapiro, he's working with a company that is putting out some new gear that it's, I'll tell you this much, it's super cool. 
and we're both going to get a chance to play with it. And uh, if, if here's the only hint I'll give you: if you have an Oculus or a VR unit, you will be able to see what we're doing. All right, gang. Thanks for listening. As always, give us a call. We haven't heard from you. You never call. You don't call. You don't write. Well, some of you write, but you don't call. You probably don't call your mom. There goes my voice again. There it goes. I'm going to give you the phone number right now where you can give us a, a call. 708-885-9030. Call us up and wish us a happy birthday anniversary. We'd, we'd like that. Yeah, if you've enjoyed the ride. 708-885-9030. Or if nothing else, just tell us. What should they tell us? They should say, thank you for giving us all this bad. And then tell us to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.